The following program is brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Catholic Spirituality on member-supported Restoration Radio. I am your host, Matthew Arthur, presenting Father Nicholas Disposito and Father Herman Fleece on this episode of Catholic Spirituality. This episode is a members-only episode and is not available for individual purchase and download. To receive access to all Restoration Radio episodes, please visit truerestoration.org and go to the member area on the menu bar to find out details on becoming a member. And now we present Catholic Spirituality. Welcome once again to Catholic Spirituality on the Restoration Radio Network. I am your host, Father Herman Fleece, and today we are joined again by our guest, Father Nicolas Desposito, professor at Most Holy Trinity Seminary. Thank you, Father, for being here today. Hello, glad to be back. Today we will continue the study of our book, The Theology of Christian Perfection, by Antonio Rosso Marin, a Dominican theologian. Today we are going to see the chapter on the models of perfection, and uh, which is found in page 196. And um, Father, what can we say about the configuration with Christ in the in the Christian life? Uh, yes, uh, for those who have the book, either. The physical book or the PDF version. Um, I will suggest that, that you go and read the, the whole text. There are many, many things. Some of the things that uh, the author speaks about are a, a little bit, um, I will say, deep, and you will need some knowledge in philosophy uh, and theology. But uh, if you can read, there are many quotes from uh, good authors in this chapter about the the importance uh, of Christ as the the model of perfection of course and the we are just going to uh, summarize the material here uh, first of all the Christ as the only way to get to the Father um, uh, Jesus Christ is the only way no one can go to the Father except through Him, for there has been given to us no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. So, and that comes straight uh, uh, from the, uh, the Acts of the Apostles. So, according to the divine plan of our predestination, the sanctity to which God calls us through grace and adoption consists in a participation of in the divine life which was brought to the world by Christ. This is expressly stated in divine revelation, as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blemish 
in his sight in love. He predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ as his sons according to the purpose of his will and to the praise of the glory of his grace with which he has favored us in his beloved son. And that comes from St. Paul in his uh, epistle to the Ephesians. And by the way, it's important to um, remind the listeners that we can only become the sons of God through grace. So it is a blasphemy and a heresy on the part of Francis when he teaches that every single person, just by the fact that uh, has been created by God, is a children of, uh, a child of God. That's uh, is heretical and that's even blasphemous, uh, because the even though God is the cause, is the creator of uh, of the human person, we can only become His uh, children through grace. That's an elevation to the uh, supernatural life, an elevation uh, through which we become the adopted sons or children of God. By nature, we are only just uh, created by God, but He's not. Uh, strictly speaking, uh, our father is just our, the, you may say, the author or the creator of human beings. And only through grace we can become his adopted children. Christ has reestablished the divine plan of our salvation, which had been destroyed by the sin of Adam. And this has the love of God been shown in our case, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we may live through him. That's in the first epistle of St. John. Hence Christ is the only way by which we can go to the Father, and without him we can do absolutely nothing. Therefore, the Rosomarine continues, the preoccupation of every Christian must be to live the life of Christ, to be incorporated in him, and to let the sap of the true vine circulate through his veins. Christ is the vine, and we are the branches, and the life of the branch depends on its union with the vine, which imparts to it the vivifying zap. And that comes straight from um, St. John, uh, St. John's Gospel. So it is, uh, again, important to understand the necessity of being incorporated or transformed in Christ and that he's the only way uh, of going to the Father. He is, Christ is the only possible form of sanctity according to the divine plan. Only through him, with him, and in him can we attain the ideal intended by God in the creation, redemption, and sanctification of the human race. <clears throat> and the Church reminds us uh, of this daily in the part of the Mass in which the priest says, Per ipsum et cum ipso et in ipso est o patri omnipotenti in unitate spiritus sancti omnisono et gloria. So it's through him, with him, and in him, of course in Christ, that we give uh, glory and honor to God in the union um, with the Holy Ghost. The author continues and says, How mistaken are they who consider devotion 
to Christ as merely another pious exercise. So we are not talking here about uh, piety uh, or a pious, um, um, like a form of, of piety or of prayer, but of the essential constituent of um, sanctity. Our incorporation in Christ is the very basis of our sanctification and the very substance of our spiritual life. So in the life of all the saints, Christ was the center. They only, not only had Christ in their minds all the time, in their imagination, uh, but in their hearts. And there was this union of love with Christ to the point of transformation with him. It is from this fundamental dogma, the author continues, that all other ascetical and mystical teachings spring. The souls that wish sincerely to sanctify themselves would do well, therefore, to ignore the disputes and arguments among the various schools of spirituality and dedicate themselves to living more and more profoundly the life of Christ. And the author mentions uh, this because at the time still there were some controversies, not about essential uh, points, but about some accidental or secondary points of the ascetical uh, mystical uh, life, in which that uh, was a cause of tension sometimes between the different schools. So the author emphasizes that we should all um, dedicate ourselves to this knowledge and this union uh, of Christ, with Christ and the life of Christ. And also, there is the quotation, famous uh, quotation of St. Paul. It is now no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. So that's the whole goal of the, of the uh, spiritual life for the Christian, the baptized Catholic, that he has to transform himself. He has to change into Christ and become Christ in a way. So the... Um, the author continues, Christ is the truth, the absolute and integral truth. So, and that integral, the, the word integral is important because uh, we get the, this from the Novus Ordo, many half-truths, many times, uh, this notion of partial communion or, or that you can be saved in a religion that doesn't have all of the elements of salvation, etc. All of those things are heretical and false when the, um, uh, uh, we need the integral truth, we need the integral faith, and Christ is that integral truth, the absolute truth. We shall understand nothing of perfection and sanctity, and we shall not even know in what simple Christianity consists, as long as we are not convinced that fundamentally it consists in being sons of God, and that this quality or state is given to us by sanctifying grace, through which we share in the eternal filiation of the incarnate Word. And of course, again, emphasizing the fact that we can only be the children of God, the sons of God, through grace, and also that the natural Son of God is the second person of the Blessed Trinity. We can become, through grace, the adopted sons of God. All the teachings of Jesus Christ and the Apostles are synthesized in this truth and all the mysteries of Jesus tend to make it a reality in our souls. As we have said, Christ is the way, the truth, but also he is the life. 
In speaking of Christ our, as our life, we arrive at the most profound and most beautiful aspect of the mystery of Christ. Christ is our life in three different manners. So far as he merited grace for us, which is the life of the soul, so far as that supernatural life springs from him, and so far as he communicates that life to us. With regard to the last point, that is, uh, the, that Christ communicates the supernatural life to us, and he does so, uh, for example, through the sacraments, if uh, you go to page 206, it speaks about the different dispositions that we need in order to receive the, sac uh, the sacraments in a valid, fruit fruitful manner, etc. But he says, uh, even if one possesses the necessary dispositions for the valid and fruitful reception of the sacraments, the measure of grace received in each case will depend not only on the excellence of the sacrament itself, but on the perfection and fervor of one's dispositions. If the individual approaches the sacrament with hunger and thirst to be united to God through grace, he will receive an abundance of grace. As the classical example of the fountain and the vessel illustrates, the amount of water received will depend not only on the fountain, but also on the size of the vessel in which the water is received. From this follows the great importance of a proper preparation for the reception of the sacraments, and especially of the Eucharist, which brings us not only grace, but the very fountain and source of grace. It is through the sacraments, especially, that Christ exercises his vital influence on us, and we should approach them with the desire of increasing our supernatural life and our union with God. They are the authentic channels of grace, and there is nothing else that can replace them. Some souls, not realizing these truths, prefer other pious practices and devotions which are infinitely less efficacious than the sacraments. It is an injury to Christ not to appreciate or to regulate to a second place these channels of grace which he instituted as a means of increasing our supernatural life. So, it's um, again very important that the, the sacraments are the means that Christ uses in order to give that grace, sorry, that life uh, to us, and in that way Christ is the life of the soul, and he communicates his uh, own perfection to us through the sacraments, but we must be disposed to receive them and Every holy communion, every confession has to be done with more fervor than the, the preceding one. Uh, lastly, the, uh, the author speaks about the contact that we have with Christ uh, through faith. As regards our contact with Christ through a vivified faith, which means that uh, the person has the sanctifying grace, charity, not only faith, but faith informed with uh, charity, or by charity, St. Paul uses a mysterious expression in one of his epistles. He says that Christ dwells in our hearts through faith. What that, uh, do these words mean? 
Is he referring to some kind of indwelling of Christ in our souls, similar to the indwelling of the Trinity? It would be a great error to think this. The humanity of Christ is physically present in us through Holy Communion, but this presence is so closely bound to the sacramental species that when they are substantially altered, Christ's physical presence ceases entirely and there remain in the soul only his divinity together with the Father and the Holy Ghost and the influence of his grace. Nevertheless, the author continues, it is a fact that Christ does in some way dwell in our hearts through faith. St. Thomas does not hesitate to interpret the words of St. Paul literally. Christ dwells in us by faith. Consequently, by faith, Christ's power is united to us. In other words, it is the power of Christ which dwells in us through faith. And as often as we turn to him through the contact uh, of, a, of a faith vivified by charity, a sanctifying power emanates from Christ to our souls. And the author continues giving uh, examples and other quotations from uh, Don Marmion. One of them says, how then um, can we doubt that when we approach him, even outside the sacraments, with humility and confidence, divine power comes forth from him to enlighten, strengthen and help us. No one has ever approaches, approached Jesus Christ with faith without being touched by the benef beneficent rays that ever escape from this fullness of light and heat. And he quotes that um, passage in scripture when that uh, woman touched him and was cured of a, of a sickness. And it's true, we lack many times we have faith, but our faith is weak and we lack the confidence to ask for those things we need in our spiritual life, um, difficulties in temptation or in any tribulations of problems or carrying of the cross that we may need a special grace sometimes. And we have to go to Christ and in the spirit of faith ask for the uh, that special grace that we need. And we have to be confident that he's going to give that, that to us because uh, virtue and power um, emanates from Christ and he's willing to communicate grace to us uh, he's only waiting for us or expecting us to, to ask for, for, for the, the things that we need so it is a, a test to our faith many times we have to remember that Christ is willing to help and give grace and just go and ask with humility of course and perseverance I think we these uh, points we have discussed, discussed Father, um, show um, light uh, on the point of uh, that the, the spiritual life depends on the on grace and on the action of our Lord as opposed to our mere uh, uh, efforts. Yes, and of course, when we have effort and we do things, it's always moved by by the grace of God, and and we have to always collaborate with. Grace, but it's true. Is um, at the end, it's all reduced to grace, 
and it's God the one who moves and uh, the reason why our actions are meritorious is because yes we are free and uh, which means that we can always put off the cost to grace and that when we do a good work uh, helped by divine grace uh, since it can it proceeds from the our free will uh, together with uh, I mean move, moved by grace and that's very mysterious how God can do that um, to move us in the path of virtue without violating our uh, free will but in any case you can see yes that everything is grace and we need grace and we have to ask in prayer it's very important to ask for those things that we need and especially for those things that we cannot merit like for example final perseverance is a grace um, is something that is actually not able to be merited uh, only uh, god can give it and we can only ask for it uh, through through prayer but we cannot do anything to merit it for the author then speaks about um, our life in christ and he says the quintessence of the Christian life can be summarized in the following statement. The glory of God as the ultimate end, our sanctification as the proximate end to which we should tend continually, and incorporation in Christ as the only possible way of attaining both ends. In a word, everything can be summarized in living the mystery of Christ with ever-increasing intensity. Yes, and now that we have seen the uh, the perfect model, which is Christ, the author goes to the next point, which, which is Our Lady. He starts this uh, section with a, a wonderful quote from uh, St. Louis Mary Grignon de Montfort, which uh, I would like to, to quote here. The more you look at Mary in your prayers, contemplations, actions and sufferings, if not in a clear and distinct manner, then at least with a general and imperceptible glance, the more perfectly will you find Jesus, who is always with Mary, great, powerful, active and incomprehensible, more than in heaven or in any other creature. That was the beautiful quotation of the saint and the, the author of the book remarks that our Lady is the shortest and most secure path to Christ. And he also points out that um, Our Lady, by the will of God, was so intimately um, associated with um, our Lord in the divine plan that in redemption and sanctification cannot be attained without her. And so she's not um, just uh, another devotion or another uh, one of the aspects of uh, the, the spiritual life, but a basic, she plays a basic uh, role in the Christian life. Yes, and the reason for all of the privileges of Our Lady is her divine maternity, the fact that she is the mother uh, of God. That's the what makes her so great, so perfect, so beautiful. That's the mother of God. And all of the privileges and the glory and the honor that is owed to Our Lady, it is because of her divine maternity. So this is uh, the basis of all the glories of Our Lady. And uh, now we can consider uh, the more 
practical application of devotion to Our Lady. And uh, Father, um, what can you say about, about devotion to Our Lady? Oh yes, having established that privilege of the divine maturity that makes her part of the basically the family of God, she be, belonging not to the mere order of grace but to the hypostatic order. Um, the that's like the theological aspect, but yes, the practical aspect. The author says that it is the will of God that we sanctify ourselves. To sanctify ourselves, it is necessary to practice the virtues. To practice the virtues, we need the grace of God. To find the grace of God, it is necessary to find Mary. And the reason for this is that, first, because only Mary found grace before God, both for herself and for others, second, because Mary gave life to the author of grace and is therefore called Mother of Grace, third, because in giving Mary, his divine son, the father gave Mary all graces. Fourth, because God has selected her as the dispenser of all graces, and with this power she gives grace to whom she wishes, when she wishes, and as she wishes. Fifth, because as in the natural order the child must have a father and a mother, so also in the supernatural order one must have God as his father, and Mary as his mother. Number six, since Mary formed the head of the predestined, so also she should form the members. Seventh, because Mary was and still remains the spouse of the Holy Ghost. Eighth, because as in the natural order, the child receives its nourishment and strength from its mother, so also in the supernatural order, we receive our spiritual nourishment and strength from Mary. And lastly, because he who finds Mary also finds Jesus, who is with her always. Those are the nine reasons given by St. Louis Grignon de Montfort in his little work, The Secret of Mary. And they should give us an idea with the analogy of the natural order of how important it is to have a mother in the supernatural order and in the same manner that we have a father which is uh, who is god so the our devotion has to be a true devotion that's the word used by the saint saint louis it should also be uh, interior that is, it should come from the mind and heart, not just a mere superficial external devotion, but has to be interior. It also must be tender, which means full of confidence of a child in a loving mother, and it should be holy, that is, it should lead souls to avoid sin and to imitate her virtues. So you, you always measure things, if they are good or bad in the spiritual life, uh, with this, with the idea of um, if it profits us in the acquiring of virtue and in helping us in the avoidance of sin. So, of course, the a true devotion to Mary has to have that effect. If it does not have the effect of preserving us from sin, and of growing in our souls the the virtues, it, the, there is something wrong in that devotion. 
many times you see that with those uh, uh, persons, even traditional Catholics that put too much emphasis in private revelations, like the uh, in the uh, Fatima secrets, etc., that they almost replace the whole religion, the faith itself, with a private revelation. That's a disordered way of honoring Our Lady. And it's not the effect there. It's not um, humility and virtue, but many times it is pride and also a defect in the faith because they, uh, these persons many times have a, a position with regard to Vatican II and the false popes of Vatican II, which is not theologically tenable. So uh, it's important to apply this the, a true devotion of the, the principles that we are here um, speaking about to our own spiritual lives. The, there is a fourth point that St. Saint Louis gives with regard to the devotion. He says it must be constant. That is, it should confirm the soul in good, so that it will not abandon its spiritual practices. And lastly, it should be disinterested. That is, it should inspire the soul to seek not itself, but God alone. And this is very, very important, because in the spiritual life there are many risks. The, the concupiscence uh, or the concupiscences, as uh, Saint John of the Cross uh, calls them, those desires and inclinations that we have that many times are uh, directly against the um, our union with God, sinful desires, but also sometimes there is an attachment even to spiritual consolations in prayer. And when we are meditating or praying to God, we become attached to those consolations. We do not look for God, but uh, for His consolations. Here, this uh, characteristic of the true devotion of Mary gives us a weapon or a means in order to avoid that defect that is found especially in advanced souls, the attachment to the consolations of God. Our devotion must be disinterested. So, uh, how practical, how good this devotion is, how helpful in the spiritual life. And Father, before we close the, this section on Our Lady, I think it's a good it's a good um, point to speak about the consecration to Our Lady, as explained by Saint Louis uh, de Montfort. He speaks of a perfect and total or complete consecration to Our Lady. And the idea is, as we saw uh, before, the end of our spiritual life, in fact, the end of um, of all creation, is our Lord, Jesus Christ. And we use, or we speak about the consecration of uh, to Our Lady as the most perfect means to be perfectly consecrated to our Lord, which is our end. The saint says that the, this devotion consists then in giving ourselves entirely to Our Lady in order to belong entirely to Jesus Christ through her. He says that we must give her first our body, second our soul, soul third our exterior goods of fortune, 
and fourth, our interior and spiritual goods, that is, our merits, our virtues, our good works, uh, past, present, or future. In other words, we give to Our Lady all that we have in the order of nature, the order of grace, and even in the order of glory, and we abandon all to her motherly hands. And the saint remarks that in, in this consecration we cannot, uh, in order to do it according to, the, to this method, we cannot keep anything to ourselves in any of the orders of grace or nature, that is, we cannot uh, make any restriction as far as certain actions or um, certain good works and so forth. It has to be total. And then it is uh, needless to say, obviously, that um, by doing this consecration, we will be more perfectly united uh, to our Lord and therefore it can only help our spiritual life, which as we saw consists precisely in this, to be united perfectly with the will uh, of our Lord. So um, it is a very, very, a very sanctifying um, devotion, and uh, as everybody knows, it is uh, found and explained how to do it and the principles in uh, the book, The True Devotion to the Blessed Virgin by, by our saint, Saint Louis Montfort. And so I will, would exhort our readers to uh, avail themselves with this book and to, to read it. And because, uh, as the Russian Marine remarks, is a very, this consecration is something very, uh, very deep and very, um, uh, serious in the spiritual life that is an important step. Um, it is fine to uh, first try to learn the spirit of uh, uh, St. Louis, the spirituality, and to um, be familiar with, the, with what this consecration entails, so as to be better prepared to, um, to make the consecration. And then in the practical order, how the consecration is done as far as uh, the timing and the formulas that can be seen in the in that very book, in which is explained uh, very uh, in a very detailed and practical way. That said, I think this is a good place to to stop the the show, and we have covered the the, the chapter, and we will uh, see next um, episode the negative aspect aspect of the Christian life. And uh, far, I would like to say to thank you for your time. No, thank you. And uh, yes, as you say, next time we are going to to give some principles, uh, which are also very interesting about the uh, uh, the three the division between the three stages in the spiritual life: the purgative, the illuminative, and the unitive. And probably going to already start with uh, sin, mortal, venial imperfections and just to give you an idea that's why it's called the next day the next uh, chapter the, the negative aspect because we are going to speak about sin uh, but as for today the as a rounding up and as a conclusion the, this uh, life is so short we have to use the, the material not only of this show but of the sermons that we listen um, from the internet or in the in the, the church every Sunday uh, to use the things that we that we hear, the our even our experience, our spiritual readings, our meditations, 
and realize that we have just a short time to empty ourselves of all of the vanities of the world and become uni perfectly united with, with Christ. That's what the, the saints realized and did. That's what moves people to become religious or priests. And for the lay people, they must remember that there is a universal vocation to sanctity. Uh, shouldn't, we shouldn't waste any more time and concentrate in our spiritual life to take seriously all of these things. We have a very, very short time in order to prepare ourselves for heaven. So the, the perfect, we saw today the two, the, the two models, of course, the, the main principal model, which is Christ, and we must transform ourselves in, in him. It is not possible to serve two masters. It is not possible to try to make compromises in the spiritual life, to love this world and the vanity of this world and pleasures and honors and riches, etc. And at the same time to um, expect uh, heaven or expect holiness or expect perfection. No, we are going to either end up in hell or purgatory. There's no way around it. We have to use the present time, all of the graces and inspirations of the Holy Ghost in order to convert ourselves and become perfectly united with Christ. How? The, the best way, as we saw today, uh, is uh, through Mary. And that act of consecration, the slavery of Mary that is explained by St. Louis, is the, the best and the quickest way in order to become united with Christ. But we have to empty ourselves. We have to make that first courageous step and decision and say, okay, now I will begin. Now I will convert. Now I will take my spiritual life seriously. And I will abandon the world, even if I have to still live in the world. Uh, but I, I am not of the world. I am of Christ. And through Mary, I will become one with him. Well, Father, I think on that excellent thought, we will conclude the show. I thank you once again, and I also would like to thank our listeners uh, for uh, joining us today. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to Catholic Spirituality. We want to remind you that Catholic Spirituality is a production of member-supported Restoration Radio. All rights are reserved and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. To obtain permission, please write to mail at truerestoration.org. If you have any questions for Father Herman Fleece or Father Nicholas Disposito or feedback on this episode, please contact us at catholicspirituality at truerestoration.org and we will pass along your questions or comments. All of us here at Member Supported Restoration Radio hope that you found this show to be informative, helpful or beneficial to you and to your faith. In return, please think of offering a Mass, a Rosary or even simply an Ave for our work the next time you pray. For the Restoration, I am Matthew Arthur. May God bless you.
This program was brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org.